I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, folks. Jeremy here from Sick Boy Podcast. And just want to throw a little announcement out there. We are doing a virtual live show. And holy sweet tits. We are excited. If you want to get tickets to the show, it's happening July 8th, which is a Wednesday night, hump day, and you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash shows for all the info, get your tickets. It's going to be a really, really freaking fun time, super interactive. We cannot wait to see you all there. And the best thing is, it doesn't matter where the fuck you live in the entire world, you can attend the show. So uh, get your tickets, sickboypodcast.com slash shows, and we'll see you on the 8th. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Eugene. He had a stroke. Let's talk about it. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for this uh, conversation. Um, Me too. Eugene, uh, why, don't you, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and where you're calling in from. Um. My name is Eugene Haslam. I'm calling in from Ottawa. Um, it's odd to try and explain wh- what I used to do or what I am now. But uh, I guess as a friend uh, explained to me, he says, you are what you're doing. And what I'm doing right now is talking to you guys. So that's what I'm doing. What I used to do is quite different. (laughs) And uh, I used to own a nightclub. Actually, I've owned many nightclubs over a period of time. And many of the bands you would know that are quite famous now really just started. And uh, I used to have this moniker called uh, Heard Before the Heard. So uh, many of these bands were absolutely unknown before people like me put them in nightclubs and gave them a chance, you know, from Great Big C to to Jewel to uh, to Jail and Sloan and the Tragically Hip. And uh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very That's cool. what I used to do. All the I was classics, a judge yeah. on the Junos for a couple of a uh, couple of their uh awards and so on and so forth so very cool okay so i guess then the question uh to ask next would be you you do you are what you do and you're sitting here talking to us what uh for what reason are you sitting here and talking to us on sick boy for the simple reason that i'm still sitting and talking (laughs) because at (laughs) what point at one point, I thought I would not be around anymore. There seriously was a day when I had tubes in me and I was hooked up to all kinds of hospital equipment. And I seriously didn't know if I was going to make it into the next day. And uh, I had signed away power of attorney to my wife and uh, power. Uh, and I told my uh, my manager of my club uh, what to do in case uh, I didn't make it through the next day. Oh. So it is pretty serious stuff. Because you uh, you had suffered uh, what is known as a stroke, correct? Yes, and I only knew that quite a bit after that. But yeah, I, I oh. went through what is uh, uh, what is now uh, what I now know as a stroke, um, but I didn't know it at the time. So part of why I do this or want to do it, and and part of this whole strategy is to let people know, especially people, goofs like me, who never went to a doctor for so many years and never had any idea uh, what a stroke was. Well, okay, so wait, wait a minute. Uh, am I here... Am I hearing this right? So you were living, you had a stroke, but were living after having a stroke unknowingly? Because I, I, yeah, I imagine yeah. that when somebody has a stroke, I imagine that it's this like moment where like, whoa, almost the lights <laughs> go off and like, you're having a, 
you're having a fucking stroke. But, <laughs> well, but it know, sounds I, like you were unknowingly having a stroke. Life, in my life as a bar owner, drinking all the time, the lights went off many a time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of hard to tell, you know. And 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 that's the point of this, you know, because. Because uh, literally, uh, and, and this is the weird part, I was in Mexico. I wasn't even in Ottawa. I was in Mexico at a friend's place, and uh, we were having a, a, a nice dinner, and, and we all drank a lot, and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, I went I went um, to another friend's uh, um, bar called the Martini Lounge and had a few more drinks. And I thought as I was walking home, wow, you know, as, as most uh, very uh, inebriated people do, wow, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. Look at me walking. Da, 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 you know? <laughs> and, I, and I went home and uh, I was fine. But the next morning I got up and this thing that I didn't know was a stroke had happened. And in my in my sort of uh, sense of experience, I was just thinking, "Gosh, this is the worst hangover ever." Oh wow! <laughs> Seriously, that, I, that, and and I thought it was a hangover, and well, I just thought, you know, I should just kind of write it out like you write out all hangovers. And uh, see, I, I was I was so so. I've always pictured a stroke because I we we've talked to people on the show that have had a stroke before, um, and and I know that there's a, a few different types of stroke. There's like ischemic or ischemic. I'm, I'm pronouncing ischemic. that wrong. Ischemic stroke, and there's like a hemor a hemorrhage. Hemorrhagic. hemorrhagic stroke. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I think I'm having a stroke right now. Actually, trying to, trying to get this out. Uh, that's what um, you hear all the time. Good luck. <laughs> that's what, that's what you hear all the time when people like fumble their words and stuff. They're yeah, like, "Oh, yeah, I so, think I'm having a stroke." Exactly. And when I, so I was, I was pictured a stroke as like as something that would be very obvious to see. It's like you see someone's, you know, so, someone starts. Uh, slurring their words and and their their maybe their face starts to contort and maybe they they just collapse to the ground and with like a, a sort of dull look across their face. Um, that's when you don't let when the bouncer doesn't let them in. Yeah, right, <laughs> you see that right. you, you, you know you can't come in. Yeah. No, you're either going to go right. home or go to the hospital. <laughs> that's right. So, but in in your case, Eugene, you 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 were you were just going about your day and feeling like ah, I just feel like shit. Like I feel like. I feel like more hungover than normal, but right. I guess that's, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm getting old. Like that's what happens when, uh, when you, when you keep drinking and get old. Yeah. But Jeremy, I want to pick up on something you said, uh, sure. where you kind of had a preconception of what a stroke is. Mm -hmm. I had none. Uh, it just didn't occur to me, you know, life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Feel healthy and so on and so forth. I had no preconception of what a stroke was. So I, I started from, uh, a really low bar, <laughs> bar, so to speak. Um, Dive bar, if you will. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so when, yeah, so coming back to that, um, when I woke up the next morning, I just thought it was a terribly, terribly bad hangover. Mm. And what, do you, do you know what kind of stroke you ended up having? I mean, I mean, I'm sure that they must have told you, they must have told did, – did you have a, an ischemic stroke or was it a hemorrhagic? That or? I don't recall. Um, okay. I, I never really looked into it. But there, there were a whole bunch of things that, uh, that um, sort of didn't make sense but all tied together. So here I, I'm thinking I have a stroke. I, I've just woken up uh, the next day after a, a night of uh, um, a dinner and uh, having a few drinks or maybe too many drinks and – um, and I tried to go to the, to the bathroom and I couldn't get, you know, standing. I, I just had no sense huh. of, of, um, of balance, etc. Mm -hmm. So, so I crawled to the bathroom, went to the bathroom, came back and thought, well, you know, I'll just kind of, uh, sleep this off. And I Whoa. did. Yeah. I, I, I did that. Um, I guess I went through, uh, you know, periods of sleep and awake and sleep and awake uh, till the afternoon. And then I called my friend um, in, in, in Mexico, uh, whose place I was at. I said, I'm not feeling right. This, this, whatever I have, it, 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 it's, it's the worst hangover ever. And he said, well, 
Um, you just stay put. And he called, um, he said, I'll be over. He called um, the hotel staff or the hotel front desk and said, you know, go and check on him. So uh, I heard a knock on the door. This guy, uh, I again, I couldn't get up to walk to the door. So I crawled to the door. I reached up. Jeez. And and at that point, when I opened the door and I saw his eyes look at me, I realized that he knew something I didn't. And he went pale. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa, really? Yeah. So then he lifted me up. And, uh, you know, at that point, I'm starting to think, OK, there's something more wrong mm. with me than I know about. But at, at this point, I still don't know I have a stroke or I had a stroke mm-hmm. or I'm even in the process of it. And um, he took me to the bed, uh, sat me down, uh, and in Span- I understand a wee bit of Spanish. And he asked if I uh, he should call a doctor. I said, yeah, yeah, call a doctor. Meanwhile, my friend Hansa had uh, arrived, and um, um, and we were all thinking that this is just some bad episode of a hangover. Well, and what, then the, a, what a hangover that would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I've been, I, yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been pretty hungover in my lifetime, and like, I, you know, I've, I've seen people who have been. There's, there's one time my, my wife woke up next to me, and she's not a big drinker, and she was so hungover she was crying. Like, I, I can get that, but when you can't walk anymore <laughs> like that's yeah. uh, that's a red flag for sure but it, it's but, it's pretty wild but, to think but that like back that to this red flag stuff yeah and, yeah and, and you know and sometimes i joke about it uh you know about the bouncer not allowing someone in but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we have seen people like that who are fall down drunk right of yeah. course like while they're inebriated but i again it's it's so it's so shocking to hear that like an after a night out the next day but, but, being but that that's why sort of it's rocks, really important you know? that who the people who are listening to us, some percentage mm. of that this audience is might look at what they're doing and not understand it. That's mm. right. Yeah, that's so right. And, I, and, I hope that that this is not just about you know. Well, especially if you goofy. don't have if you don't have if you don't if you have zero uh, preconception about what a stroke is. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I am I I I can see myself. I, I'm like a, a forever optimist. Like I can see myself being in a similar situation where, where like the worst case scenario is always the last thing that comes to my mm-hmm. mind. And well, so, yeah, like, Taylor, it, it's like that time that you, it's like, and we've talked about this on the show, but it's like that time that you were like, yeah, my stomach was, I was in so much stomach pain. And then I, and then I, I, I rapidly and unexpectedly vomited all over myself. And then I passed out. And then I was, it was like, just a bad hangover. And I, and I said, yeah, it sounds like it. But I, and I said, whoa, did you go to the doctor at, at the next day? And you were like, no, cause then I, I, pass I woke out up, was a I, strong was a strong. I mean, you I laid my head out. down and I fell asleep very quickly. You but the point, the point, but the point, <laughs> but the point is, to, to to someone like myself, if that had happened to me, yeah, I would have been like, oh, I'm calling the doctor right now. This is fucking bad. This is not normal. Like I gotta. Whereas you, you, you have a different attitude towards, you know, something, some something that you might come up against. Which, yeah. which to well, my Eugene's attitude, point, to Eugene's point is, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes that attitude not right might not do. be the right the right the right way to look at things because we we often we often don't. But if nothing bad, know, if nothing you know? like crazy or if nothing crazy has ever happened, then then and I'm assuming Eugene, you're probably you, you probably you, you might put yourself in the same category here. It's like something bad happens and you feel this way, but you don't want to jump to conclusions. Mm. So it's almost like, well, if it happens again, then I'll. Then I'll definitely take some action. But if it's this one-off thing, like how bad I, I will be? also say though, Taylor, like you were sitting on your couch and there was nothing that could have been the cause of what you went through. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, like yeah, Eugene right. was on a, a like a heavy night of drinking yeah. and wakes up in the morning and is like, Well, you know, I did do this thing last night. That no, I was super made me I was hungover. Shitty, so I was mega hungover that day. That was right, a, that, that was a story chaser. So yeah, anyway, it's anyway, important to have some yeah, and, and and part of this whole thing is if you have no knowledge or experience, then mm-hmm. yes, you could be like Taylor or myself saying, well, you know, it's probably yeah. okay. When you have the knowledge or you have the experience, then you can connect it and say, oh, this episode is because of that. 
Mm-hmm. So did the right, doctors right. did the doctors show up in in your room then? Yeah, he did, and uh, he um, had this stethoscope and he's checking me out, and and uh, I was trying to explain my physical state or all of this stuff that was happening, and <clears throat> so I was saying I didn't have any balance, I was falling down, I couldn't. Uh, you know, reach the door, etc. So, and he's just trying to make a diagnosis based on what I'm telling him and what he's seeing. Um, what he's what he's seeing and probably smelling is, you know, the day after. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that smell of he's booze. Like, this man's just out. this man's just drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hung, hung over, <laughs> hung over. He's still drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give him some more. You know. Talk. <laughs> yeah, hair of the dog. <laughs> so, so he was trying, you know, to be fair to him, he was trying to make a diagnosis based on what I was saying, what he's seen around, you know. And uh, he, he said, well, to make a an accurate diagnosis, I'd have to take you to the hospital in Cancun. Um, at which point I said, no, uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. My flight, um, my regular flight was scheduled the next day. So I thought, well, you know what, just fix me up uh, and uh, I'll leave on my flight tomorrow. And uh, when I get back home, everything will be all right because it's only a hangover. And um, he said, no, I think it could be vertigo because of my balance and all that. Mm. So once again, he could not treat me without really assessing me in a hospital but since since he he kind of thought maybe it's vertigo you know my sense of balance he treated me for that so he gave me some uh uh injection i don't know what (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh then i wrote a prescription which my uh, friend went to the store and um, got for me and so i took it and uh, everything was fine. Doctor left. Uh, Hans uh, put me back to bed and said, "You know, hope you feel well. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll get you to the airport tomorrow. Um, and um, you know, hopefully by then your hangover will be uh, cured. But mm-hmm. you're, you're, but uh, I still need to make sure that you can get on that plane." So he called up uh, and he told, uh, I think it was uh, Air Transat or something. Um, that I wasn't able to walk. Would they have a um, a chair ready for me, etc.? So, at, even up to this point, I have no idea that I'm going through anything other than a reaction to a night of having a bender. Did did that um right. did that medication that he prescribed for the um uh, presumed vertigo? Did that did that have any positive effect? Like, did it make you feel like you had your balance back a little bit, or or anything like that? I don't know, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, maybe it had, per, perhaps it had a, the effect of putting me to sleep again. Um, mm. So because because I went back to bed. So and and one thing I was very conscious of was trying to because I felt in such bad shape I I consciously tried to use less resources. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. I just yep. kind of, you know, slowed everything down and and uh, you know, again went went back to sleep because if you sleep you feel better <laughs> after it usually. Right, like no extraneous mo- movements or anything yeah. like that. You just yeah. totally just laid Don't eat don't still. Bo- you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, just waste them. So anyway, so the next day uh, I awoke, I still felt bad. I still had um, balance problems, etc. But I was uh, going to now get my flight. And the Hansa came by again. Uh, we packed up all my stuff. We checked out and got me to the airport. Um, they put me in a wheelchair. And I waited for the plane. They put me ahead of the line, and I was the first one on the plane. But interestingly enough, um, as I got on the plane, um, there was this young woman in the lineup who was also coming on my flight, and she said to them, uh, hey, I know this guy. That's Eugene. He's uh, he's from Ottawa anyway, but she knew me. And um, she said, I'm a nurse. And oh. if he if he needs any help, because I told her a, a little bit about 
what had happened. Mm. And she said, uh, I'm a nurse. Uh, I don't know how much I can help, but here's the info. And she said to me, um, Eugene, when you go back to Ottawa, go to the uh, civic hospital. They have the heart and stroke um, unit there. Go get checked out. Oh, so, so she she could like see she she had a she had an, at least an idea that like something was up and I think and, so. wow yeah interesting yeah but, but even at that point I didn't and mm-hmm. so I just kind of filed but, it but wait but wait a minute you, like you wake up the, the second day after a big night out and you're still feeling the same way and you're like oh this is just a really really bad <laughs> hangover <laughs> well you know. I'm not sure what kind of tequila that was. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You ate too many worms. That's what that is. I, but again, it's you know, it's to your point, Eugene. It's, it's if you you don't know what you don't know, right? So yeah. it's like if if it's not your if it's not uh, anything that you've ever dealt with before, and and you don't really have much of it. I mean, I'm I'm not putting words in your mouth here, but I'm just saying, assuming someone doesn't have much background with like any health issues really coming up, it's like. How how are you supposed to know? Yeah, it's I it's, it's, it's different than a, exactly, and it's different than like a heart attack where you're going, holy fuck, my left arm hurts and is numb, and I can feel pain in my chest, and like, wait a minute, I know that because I've been told this a million times over, like this is what a fucking heart attack is. It, it's it there's there's like an underlying sort of weirdness to what you were experiencing, but it's not so far off from yeah. something that you, you like that a, a hangover yeah. or yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So and it's why they have like you, like I, whenever I, it's not whenever I watch something like, um, uh, I don't have cable, but if I, if, a, if the, like the NHL playoffs are on and I'm watching and I'm like streaming through CBC, you get their ads. And it's really common to for for the Heart and Stroke Foundation to run ads that are that are like like know the signs of having a stroke. If you are mm. experiencing dizziness, loss of sensation, like all these all these markers, and and obviously, I, I mean, just the fact that there are ads for it, like it speaks to the necessity, the need for people to know to be able yeah. to recognize, because obviously, not enough people know. Like what Jeremy said about the heart attack. I mean, that like that like. Oh, I grabbed my left arm. That's that's the thing. Like everyone knows, like right, they're grabbing right. their left arm. It's a fucking heart attack, dude. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. You didn't really. <laughs> you know, really? One of the other yes, problems did. was you I didn't that. watch a lot of TV, so I wasn't watching any medical shows and so on and so forth. You know? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, you were out, you were out partying all night and sleeping all day. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we need <laughs> chips in our heads you know, for advertising. Good people, life. people who watch CSI and all those detective shows, yeah, they they're like, we oh, know yeah, when we're having a stroke. You know where I haven't seen an ad for the Heart and Stroke Foundation above your journals in bars. So, <laughs> right. Well, actually, you know, I've seen, I've seen a number of like health, health yeah, ads in those yeah, places. Yeah, they're, they're, right. they're yeah, but I more remember more. I was the boss. I had my own washroom. That's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> I don't put ads in my bathroom. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Eugene. So I, I am curious to know when, when did it, when did it, when did the word stroke like, Okay. Like and, when, when were you fed the, the, the news that like, Hey man, you, you actually suffered a fucking stroke while you were down there. This story gets even more convoluted. So I'm glad we have a lot of time. So, okay. So I, I'm in the aircraft and I get back to Ottawa. They wheeled me off the aircraft and the guy at customs is just shaking his head going like, well, go, you know, go through another drunk coming back from, from Mexico. <laughs> I've, I've been on the flight from Cancun back to hell, back to Canada. Canada, yeah. And let me tell you, it is a shit show. Like, it is. I've never seen so many like puke bags in use in one flight. It's fucked. I, it's. I'm not joking. It's crazy. So I made it through customs, you know, and um, then uh, I went to where the taxi stand was, and uh, the taxi guy helped me with my baggage through in the back. Where are you going? I told him my address, and uh, by by now it's. Uh, Late evening of how many days? Uh, two days, right? Because I waited one day after I got up the, I, the morning after having the stroke, or maybe I had the stroke overnight. But then I got up, uh, saw, saw, called Hans, uh, saw the doctor. He prescribed that. So then there's the next day that now I'm flying back. And by the time I fly back, there, there's a lot of time elapsed. 
Yeah. Anyway, I'm in the cab. The cab drives to the house. Uh, it's dark, and uh, uh, he leans me up against the door. Again, in his mind, I'm just a drunk coming back from Mexico. You know, here's your suitcase. Uh, he rings the doorbell, and he takes off. So when Carrie opened the door, uh, and, and uh, it woke her up because she was asleep, she opened the door, and she sees me against the door, uh, again, it's like, you know, he's coming back from Mexico. He's boozing done it on the again. plane, just boozing done on it the plane. Again, you know, <laughs> it's not like I hadn't done this a million times before. <laughs> so, uh, so she got me up to bed and, um, you know, oh and God. that was the end of that. So again, I'm back into that sort of low key kind of state, not using a lot of resources and stuff. But the next morning I woke up and this was still going on. And I felt now it meant that this was the either the worst hangover or something more than that. But I'm not connecting mm. it with stroke at all. But I said, you know, I should go to the hospital. Maybe it was the fact that the nurse had said go to the hospital or something that kind of still stuck with me. So Carrie shoved me in the in the vehicle and um here's the funny part carrie uh carries uh um runs a daycare so she tossed the kids in the kids seat and we all drive to the hospital and i'm like hell and she pulls right into the emergency she part uh spot you know where the paramedics mm -hmm. come and the ambulances come flung open the door uh you know, runs into the hospital and says, I need, uh, you know, someone to help me. And they said, well, we can't help you. You know, got to call the paramedics. And anyway, she grabbed a wheelchair and 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 uh, brought it out, put me in the wheelchair, wheeled me in, tossed me there. Now, remember, she's got young kids in the back <laughs> and, uh, and they're in a, in a vehicle where the ambulances are supposed to be. So it's all freaky, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, so um, Jeremy asked, when did I know that it was a stroke? And that's when I knew it was a stroke because when she wheeled me and the, um, the intake people saw me, the first thing they said is, get him up. Right. So that's when I knew I made the connection with the nurse and what they were saying. That get him up as in like get him up into a fucking room right now that's or like right. get him up out of that wheelchair. No, no. Uh, into a room like like uh, like, yeah, we, we're like we're, we're taking we're admitting him ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. This is not OK. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah and, that, I mean, that's when, you know, it's serious Wait, when they're like when they just to... open the doors and go nope we're not waiting for anything like you got to get right. going like that's when it's it's real yeah. yeah when when the gown when i got in the gown i knew well yeah it's gonna be a while <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that's how and so then i was um put on on a gurney and taken up and um how quickly how quickly do they how quickly do they know because like like obviously the triage nurse like quickly identifies that there's something going on with you. So you need to be admitted right away. Do they, do they like pretty quickly say to you, Oh dude, you're having a stroke. Like, or you had a stroke. This is like, is it that obvious to. The, it was obvious um, to them because they started, they started uh, hooking me up to uh, things, you know, that I needed uh, mm. uh, getting blood samples. Um, you know, there were things how do how do uh, they know? Body. Do you do you know? I guess do you know how know. they can tell? Like, or do they just come in and they're like, "Hey, Eugene, like, looks like based on whatever test we ran, looks like you had a stroke." Uh, at this point, they haven't even run tests. They're just making an assumption. They're treating me on an assumption. Yeah, is what I think. Right. Mm. So they may obviously made the correct assumption that this is very. You know, the symptoms are very similar. Um, may, at this point, I'm not aware of what I look like. You know, it's been two days since I showered and, you know, um, I came in on an aircraft. And um, But, you know, maybe my speech was slurred. I don't know. Okay. Um, so so when, when they, you know, eventually they, they, they figure out and they tell you that, like, you, you had a stroke – um, do they give you any sort of idea of like, 
like how severe of a stroke you've had or, or like, do they use that kind of languaging like around, you know, what kind of stroke or how severe or how many strokes or, or do they just basically say, look, you've had a stroke and now we, we need to look at what life will be like for you after this moment, because there's life before and life after. The first thing that happens is they're trying to treat you for a stroke. And, and I know this because uh, immediately I was put on uh, blood thinners. Mm. And as you know, uh, with a stroke, it's, a, it's blood clotting that goes to your brain that causes it. So the fact that they put me on blood thinners, they kind of knew that it's a stroke and I needed to be treated for a stroke uh, and all that. And, and so coming to what you were saying, Jeremy, first they try and uh, and treat whatever symptoms they think you have. And then after that is when they do the tests of to to corroborate what they're thinking and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, they are taking readings of your blood pressure, your temperature, all of those things to help them make their assessments of uh, what is happening with you. Right. Um, now, now, I, I and this may, uh, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm a, a very important guy or anything like that. But, but the fact is, and and I mentioned to you, uh, do you know Mike Campbell in uh, at the Carlton? Well, Mike's mm-hmm. known, right? And and so in, in in a similar kind of way, I'm known in Ottawa. I've been on the news. I've been on TV and radio and umpteen places and all that. So people knew who Eugene was, like the nurse, right? Right. And and what was interesting was at the hospital, uh, one of the uh, top thrombosis doctors said, hey, that's Eugene. One of the staff walking down the corridor says, hey, that's Eugene. And everyone's saying, hey, take good care of that dude. You know, we need they're like, yeah, they're like, pour, pour him another round. Pour him another round. <laughs> Stick that tequila in his IV needle. See what happens. <laughs> Probably wondering if they get, you know, uh, guestless privileges for life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so she, she knew yeah. me. And she also knew the fam, uh, us because my daughter and her son went to school together. She, mm. So she took a real interest in my file. And um, so to back up a bit, when they start doing all the tests on you, they want to corroborate um, what happened, etc. But she took it further and she, st- uh, or either she did or the heart and uh, the um, unit at the hospital has that protocol, and they said, "We know now you've had a stroke. We're treating you for that. But then, how did you get the stroke? So that's the the route they were taking. Let's figure out how you got it. Right. And it turns out that I got the stroke because I had cancer. Whoa! Oh, okay. twist. What a fucking Whoa. twist! Here we go. And, and it was around December, late December, almost near Christmas, and I get hit with this news that I have now. I've got, and 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 then they find out it's colon cancer, and they came to me and said, you know, we're going to keep you in the hospital. Uh, you know, forget about Christmas and New Year's. You're going to be here for a while. Dude, oh, Eugene, wow. great. Yeah. I mean, double I mean, feature. Ex- excellent. Excellent. Kudos to keeping a lid on that for 32 <laughs> minutes <laughs> and like throwing down I mean, the that twist. Shit, that shit wasn't even in the pre-interview doc <laughs> that I have here. So. Um, but okay, but wait, something something just kind of struck me about that because you said like once they knew that you were, that you had had a stroke, they were like, oh, let's go figure out what, what was causing this. And I, I don't think I've heard um, somebody say that before that they can kind of dig into. I mean, I guess when I'm thinking about the different stroke cases um, that that I know of uh, from the past, like one that jumps to mind is our friend Brandon, who had cancer and then it caused him to have a stroke. But I don't, I I didn't know that they could kind of like mine into like what actually causes. Um, I don't, I don't think Brandon, out. I don't think Brandon's cancer is why he had the stroke. I think it was the, it was the, it was it was a a, a, a symptom of the. Treatment? The trial med- medication, right. the trial treatment that he was on, mm. that led to the stroke, and that's why they had to stop the. Eugene, the entire- when was the so? Uh, just to <clears throat> like, just to clarify on on your cancer. So you 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 had you were aware of your cancer, and no. then 
Oh, so you weren't aware of your cancer at all until so you you're you're going about your life. You go to Mexico. You have this crazy crazy symptoms. You think you're hungover. It lasts for days. You end up in the hospital. They're treating you for a stroke, and it's at that point that they're like, "You've also got colon cancer." Yeah, absolutely. At Whoa. that very point, yeah, I had ne- I had no clue, no clue so at all. Crazy. So, uh, it so was your life, your life, very, yeah. yeah, your life changed pretty, pretty dramatically, dr- dramatically in that. As I told you earlier, um, as I <laughs> fantastically, told you, uh, dramatically, dramatically, <laughs> gymnastically. <laughs> um, as, as I mentioned earlier, at that point, um, I didn't know if I would make it into the next day either, and uh, you know, with the cancer and all that, I. I started signing things away and making, uh, I, I think, a mental um, exit. Mm. So out, you were you were fully re- you were fully anticipating Whoa. your your own death. Yeah, and and you have to remember, I'm I'm heavily drugged up at this time, uh, um, and all around me are people who have other issues and so on mm. and so forth. And yeah, I think I think I will not last into the next day. I mean, when they Whoa. when they come to you and say, "Hey, Eugene, so it turns out you did you had a stroke. Um, it was caused by the fact that you actually have cancer that you didn't know about." Um, is, is that like I? I mean, it sounds bad, right? Like it doesn't sound mm-hmm. good to to be diagnosed with those two things at, at basically at the same time. But like, is what are they telling you? Are they like, "Hey"? Um, Eugene, this is really like you're, it, this is a dire, um, um, diagnosis. No, um, the way it came across was a very sort of matter of fact. And, you know, well, we've treated you for this, you're doing well at this. And, uh, but you know, we, we found out why, you, why you had this, uh, stroke. It's because the, uh, because your cancer is causing clotting and therefore, um, not, and, you know, now we've got to treat the cancer too. Um, and at that point, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, anyone who's at the end of their existence might have uh, a whole bunch of different stories. I can only tell you mine. But but um, one of the interesting things was, um, and I've heard people say when when they were thinking that they were exiting this world, that uh, they think to themselves, maybe I should have done this, maybe I should have done that, maybe I should have mm-hmm. done that. I, I had, I had retreated or, or found a, a sense of quietude in myself. And you know what? I was damn happy for the life I had lived. I mean, I, all these bands, all these things I had achieved. You know, all my staff were in, in a good place. Uh, I was okay with it. And, uh, you know, and, and it. It, there was a certain sense of calm about it. I'm you, not saying that everyone will have that or mm-hmm. that's ha- that will happen to everyone. Have you have you been like a a spiritual or religious person in in any way? Um, like what like what was your relationship with the idea of death before that? Had you ever thought of it before? Uh, uh, actually, uh, delving into that, uh, I am a non-theist, not not even an atheist. I don't. I I. I my my father was Catholic. I was brought up Catholic, and then my mother, who was who changed it from Anglican to to Catholic to marry my dad, changed back to Anglican, made all the kids Anglican again. We went. I I, I was in the church choir at St. Paul's Cathedral in Kolkata, and it, uh, when I went to boarding school, the way to get out of boarding school was to join uh, the St. John's Church Choir because you got off campus on Thursdays and Sundays. Days, you know, <laughs> and then, but but meanwhile, I become this this sort of, uh, you know, I had seen the clash in England, and that changed my life, and I've become this, you know, music dude, you know, and uh, but and 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 again, my my worldview changes from you know being a kid in Calcutta to being a kid in uh, at Nelson A. Boylan Secondary School in Toronto and York University smoking drugs and all of that. You know? <laughs> but I had gotten to a place in my life uh, where where religion has no place, had no place, has no place in my life. And where I just think that, you know, ashes to ashes. 
whoop-de-doo. So while you are here, make the best of it. So um, in some ways, I guess there's a part of me that's kind of maybe very zen about things. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's really interesting to hear that because um, I, I grew up um, like going through Sunday school and, and um, being confirmed in, uh, through the Catholic Church. And, and um, you know, I, I don't like I'm, I, I consider myself to be a very spiritual person, but not a religious person at all. Um, more so agnostic probably, but it's funny because like, I think if I have like a like really profound moment in my life, sometimes like I almost just kind of like want to look up to the sky and be like, if you're up there or whatever, you know, I don't know. I just, I just really appreciate the energy that's like coming into my life right now. And I, and and I almost like want to give thanks to like something and credit something else for, for whatever reason. And I wonder if like a near death experience or when like you're when you feel like you're standing on death death's uh doorstep do you do you feel like this like especially as somebody who's like had religion a part of their earlier um life and childhood like do you do you feel this sense of connection to any type of like no i'll tell you what i feel i'll tell you what i feel uh and i i do i've heard lots of people my my sister is very religious and you know this is all God's plan and all that. So and I, I get it. And, um, and I'm just hearing what you're saying. But to me, living is about being here now. And then if you're going to die, the switch goes off. You know, it's like leaving a room. You turn the light out and it's gone. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing more, nothing less. I, I don't attribute any great great um meaning to living or dying uh um but but i understand when you know how how the universe is so large and and you know when when i when i'm up in montebello where i where i live some of the time and you know and the deer is right in front of me there I think, you know, this is so much larger than me, but I don't uh, uh, give any of that attribution to anything other than this big planet and this big universe that we're on. Mm. And um, it's it's my it's it's where I've gone in my journey, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so. So at that point in, in that hospital bed, I thought, you know, that's the end of my journey. The, this light is going to go off and then, you know, others come on, you know, you get a new light bulb and plug it in. Yeah, about 100,000 every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Dose from CBC Podcasts is a new weekly health podcast hosted by Dr. Brian Goldman that cuts through the confusion as we live through a global pandemic. Each week, top experts answer your most pressing questions about the coronavirus and other health topics, providing the latest evidence in a way that's easy to understand. It's your guide to getting through this difficult time. You can subscribe to The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. How 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 long ago was this when you were laying on the bed having I think it that was that 20, thought? Twenty December of twenty ten. Okay, so so years. we're we're uh, you know a decade later. Yeah, you you are still here. The light mm-hmm. hasn't gone off yet. Um, what? How you know? How did you? How did you get? How did you get through the 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 cancer stroke combo? You know what was what did 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 treatment just like go really well and 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 now you're you know you're living your your best life or um like what was the what was the the thing that kind of got the you journey? through that that yeah the, through that period um, a bunch of things uh, first of all 
we knew we had to do something about the, the cancer. So, uh, you know, now cancer I knew about in, but I stroke, heart and stroke I didn't know about. Cancer, you see, you hear about people, um, you know, having cancer and, um, it, going through chemo, etc. So I had a bit of that. And so I was thinking, oh, gosh, I wonder if I'm going to have radiation, going to have chemo. Mm -hmm. uh, but meanwhile, I'm still in the bed and I, I, I can't walk uh, very well without help and all that. And um, But anyway, so I'm taken to the um, the operating room and they surgically remove the um, – the cancer. But even at that point, they only know um, that they've removed what they can see and right. who knows, you know, they'll follow you up. Right. So, so there's a part of me that says, well, there's a long process now to go through. But there's the other part uh, to speak to what you were saying, Jeremy, is this now you've got to rehabilitate. And uh, I could not walk. So I, I needed, you know, those... Um, walkers um, that people you see on the street. Uh, yeah. Just a metal kind of walker. I yep. thought I was relegated to that for the rest of my life. And now that was a tricky thing because from a, a, an able-bodied person being able to walk and then, and, and I understand, you know, people who are, who are limited to wheelchairs or have uh, a broken ankle and they can't walk and all of those things where one day you're this and then the next day you're that it kind of puts puts it right in your face yeah. so you start dealing with that now you're now in my head i'm thinking well i will have to learn how to use this walker again i was so lucky because at the hospital the guy helping me with physio knew my nightclub knew me you know it was like hey Eugene, yeah. we gotta make sure that you're okay dude <laughs> we're gonna send you back to work <laughs> you, know what, you know what's so funny in like the 250 episodes that we've recorded on sick boy i've always been wondering what that secret sauce is to get the the the, the best level of healthcare in the hospital. It's owning a, owning a nightclub. It's owning a yeah. nightclub. Like, you yeah, just, that's it. All you have to yeah, do is promise right. people a guest list and you're fucking Seven gold. Moves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he, he, he worked me hard. But then I think, to be fair, um, unless my body was capable of this, unless my stroke wasn't as uh, catastrophic as it could have been, um, I mean, these are nice things, but but obviously, I didn't have the same kind of stroke as some people who lose all feeling in in their left side or lose mm -hmm. speech and all that. One thing I did uh, notice, though, right away, was that I was having problems accessing my thoughts. Um, even now, sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm speaking, I'm I'm thinking ahead so that I can find that word to explain to you what I'm thinking. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I started saying to people, uh, you know, to the uh, to the healthcare people, I was saying it to my friends. I said, you know, I, when they said, what has happened after the stroke that has changed? You know, are there any physical limitations? Really, none at all, because I've worked through all the physio and I didn't have to do chemo, etc. But I, but I said, you know what, um, I. Um, I have problems sometimes accessing the memory. I have these microseconds or I'm searching for a <laughs> word. And you know what they said to me? Nah, Eugene, you're just getting old. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just age. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean they, they might not be wrong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't sound like a so, symptom so of anything. In, in yeah. terms of now, like today, 10 years later, do you, do you like on, on a physical sense, Physically, do you feel, um, aside from being older, do you feel like, you know, you have, you have the, the pretty much the same capabilities that you had pre-stroke and, and pre-cancer? Like you're, you know, I, I take it you don't use a walker. I take it that you, you, you know, you move about the world. The same. Very similar. Yeah. Similar to how you did. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what, now what about, I, what, what I really. Let me tell you this though, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm. Am I the same? No, actually, I'm better. Uh, a bunch of things. And I want to actually put this out there because this is the, the right for, uh, forum for it. 
they told me at the hospital, had I not quit smoking years prior, that when I had that stroke, it could have been much worse. So I want people to know that. Uh, Did they tell you why that was? Because, because uh, you know, as a smoker, you, you, you use up so many resources in your body, uh, your, your ability to breathe well and so on and so forth is compromised. Uh, you're, um, you're a weaker person physically mm. as a smoker. You know, mm-hmm. and so, so having given up smoking for X amount of years prior to that uh, allowed me to have a better ability to fight that stroke. Number one, mm-hmm. the second part of it is um, I have also given up drinking, and so in some ways, Jeremy, I am a more healthier person than before the stroke. I'm an older person, which then takes <laughs> maybe some of that away, but, uh, right. but I'm well, that, Yeah. That was going to be my second question was like, how has your lifestyle changed? Because obviously you were living this very, like, you know, this very rock star life where you're, you're owning a nightclub night, you know, and, and I know that world comes with a fair amount of, of alcohol use and, a lot, yes. you know, it's like, you're staying up all night. You're trying to host, you're entertaining, you're, you're making sure everyone's having a good time. And, and, and a lot of time that really does re- it, not, not that it requires, but, but alcohol just makes that so much simpler, you know? And, and so it's, it's like a big part of the lifestyle. So it's, you know, in, in quitting drinking and quitting, you know, quitting smoking years ago, but quitting drinking, did you find that you went through a a period of time where you like, was that hard for you? You know, like it was, was, did you have a a relationship to drinking because of your, your lifestyle and, and the job that you had that sort of made it almost scary to give up drinking because you, you might lose some part of you or sense of you that made you who you were? Um, yes and no. In the beginning, um, and, and you guys must know this, when you go, you know, you go to your favorite bar, you see your friend, if your friend is a bartender, um, or you see a band member, uh, you know, you, well, yeah, have, a couple of shooters with it too. Right. Um, (laughs) And so, and so, and it's a very important point you bring up because, uh, Davenant Doyle has, has started. I know um, Davenant. I know Davenant really well. Yeah. She's, she's an excellent person, but she doesn't drink anymore either. Um, uh, Katie Lonergan, who used to play with the remote, um, not the Ramones, the Mahones, um, uh, she, she doesn't play with them anymore, but she does not drink and she never drank in, in the clubs. And one of the things with me running a nightclub was that um, each band that comes in, whether it's Radiohead, whether it's Bo Diddley, whether it's the Rolling Stones, whatever, you know, and, and by the way, they did uh, video at my club. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> just little, yeah, there you go. Might as well just toss it in there. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um <laughs> All of these bands have uh, riders, and basically the rider says, you know, we're going to be there between this time and this time. Um, we want uh, a, a bag, uh, you know, of chips, you know, four bags of chips, uh, two uh, veggie platters, two um, uh, charcuterie platters, blah, blah, and this much booze, right? Um, and interestingly enough, Musicians now, and especially as I saw through my uh, the arc of my career, um, musicians who were starting at, when we're all young, and we're mostly all young when we're starting our careers and stuff, we tend to be invincible and drinking and all that. Mm-hmm. And But mm-hmm. uh, what I found is that as musicians became more professional and had longer careers, there was less of a demand on their rider for booze. Mm, interesting. Mm, you know, it, well, it's it's like it's just you know they became professional it, and yeah, needed and, to be on, and how, on the, the game. It and it's it's also just hard to maintain that that Pace. lifestyle over mm-hmm. over a long period of time. You know, it's yeah. like you're you'll 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 run yourself straight into the ground if you 
if you continue that like hardcore party lifestyle and but uh, I'm pretty damn good at it. Oh, it's yeah. funny though. Man, my pace is great. <laughs> it's funny though because I think of like the first time we did like a few live shows and we were going to bars yeah. and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, by the way, you drink for free while you're here. And you're like, and oh, we fuck, get we drink for and free. We get, and oh, we get shit. wasted. We're going to yeah. drink then. But then like yeah. as, as it becomes like something that becomes more and more regular you're like oh well and more and more and more viewed as not that it's not viewed as as like a lot of fun but viewed as as more work then it's Mm -hmm. like then like drinking while you're working becomes a little bit more challenging (laughs) and like yeah yeah i sympathize and and if you're on the road you know and you you, you've got to get to the next city and start up again and you know like it just catches up with you all the travel time the lack of sleep uh, it's funny i I really sympathize with you hats uh jeremy I really oh, sympathize you with you uh, in well in a in in both ways in the work sense that we're talking about now, but also Eugene in in the sense that I I feel like you're more so coming from is that you know you've got you've had this um, you've had this experience that's brought you closer to death and you know you you know obviously we you know whatever your belief system is whether it's you know that there's something up above or there's some other energy or the lights are on and then they're off you know you want the lights to be on as long as you can and and you start maybe start to put a little bit more priority on all the things that you can do to keep those lights on and 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 you know just like most things in life it's never it very rarely is this like one thing it's this smaller collection of things that add up and these marginal gains that end up making the difference and i really sympathize i really sympathize with that um in my experience and um, you know, started getting back into being, you know, more athletic and fit over the last few years and, and not, not quitting drinking. Cause I definitely, I definitely still enjoy beer, but I've kind of, I've kind of inadvertently stopped getting drunk. So, um, and that's been like a, that's been a, a big, a big shift because now if I, cause if I feel that way the next morning, then that means that that's now taking away from, you know, my ability to go out and enjoy walking with my partner and my dog, or it's taking away from my ability to get to cro- to climb onto my bike and actually have a positive experience and be able to enjoy the day. And there's all these aspects. So I just, I just wanted to kind of, I really, uh, I really, I sympathize and I, I see where you're coming from on both ends with the professional and with the, and with just like enhancing your life and the, and, and what, and what reducing that uh, kind of contributes to that. Reducing alcohol, well, I guess. And part of, part of what I like to do, and, and I did this at the club too, I, I also spoke at the <laughs> Terry Fox Center to students from all across Canada. And one of the things I like to, um, to reiterate is that um, have fun. Like I, I don't want to ever be preachy about stuff. Because, you know, go live hard, live, live, live do the fun things uh, that you want to do like I did, etc. But I wish I had more knowledge. And, and mm. uh, to give you an example, uh, it's like a hockey player. You know, you um, if you lived in the 50s um, and you were a hockey player, uh, mm. well, you know, you, you worked without a helmet uh, mm. and, and not as much padding and all that. And you thought it was okay. Yeah. But and you were a great hockey player. But now that we know better, the hockey players have helmets, they have physio, they they take uh, they have better gyms and the better facilities and all kinds of mm-hmm. knowledge and all that. It doesn't make you any less of a hockey player. In fact, it might make you more. So live hard, be a good hockey player, but as with all this information and with the right kind of um um, back up to help your game, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. so yeah, yeah. It's not about preaching and don't do this, don't do that. It's let's mm-hmm. give them all the knowledge to make, to make you have an even better time <laughs> than I did, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you, Eugene, we're, we're coming up to time here, but be, before we wrap it up, there's a question that we, we like to ask all of our guests and, and I'd like to, to cue it up for you here now. Um, what would you say out of, out of, out of everything, uh, the, the, the colon cancer and, and, the, and the stroke, um, what would you say is the biggest thing that those experiences have taken away from you? Oh, what they've taken away from me is, is this 
thing that 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 was actually and and not just a physical cancer but the cancer of how I was living uh so they've taken away the real bad part of me they've they've made me reassess you know like uh instead of you can still go and have fun you can still do all these things you can still travel you can you can do all of these things you like to do and i'm better for it so they haven't taken any any of the positive things away from me which is odd the way i think about it they've taken some of the cancerous things away from me you mm. know the things that were that, that were holding me down that i didn't know were holding me down or that i didn't um didn't um sort of acknowledge that were holding me down mm-hmm. so in some ways it kind of enlightened me well, the the second part of that question is what what do you think is the biggest thing that those experiences have given you? Time, time, um, and uh, the the fact that that uh, I I know that the trajectory that I was on was a good one, and uh, certain things that were uh, not um, good for 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 me, I've I've left by the wayside, and I still have more time to to do these things. You know, for me, this is a wonderful moment to be able to look at uh, three other faces from all parts of the country, and mm-hmm. you know. So I, those are the things that you, when you mentioned uh, Brian of, of looking up at the sky. You know, to be able to see just these little things and make make something of it. You know, when I came back, um, I was in Paris uh, when the uh, COVID uh, shutdown was happening, oh, wow. and I flew back into Montreal and I went uh, to to Montebello to quarantine. And as you know, as I'm going through airports and I'm seeing uh, the surrealness of the world and uh, how different it is. And thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to be quarantined and the world is falling apart, etc. And I looked out my window and the deer was munching on my hedge and <laughs> the birds were out there, you know, chirping away. And I realized that the planet was OK. It was humankind that was mm-hmm. having a problem. Mm-hmm. And so these are the things that happen, you know, these these moments of enlightenment or or looking at stuff and just saying, wow, that's cool, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't chase squirrels to beat them up anymore, even if they're at the plants and dug it up. Now yeah. I kind of go, oh, you know, let's share the damn universe. That's that's <laughs> that's how I feel when I do mushrooms. Eugene, I got to say, man, this has been such a treat to meet you and to hear your story. And, um, uh, you know, you 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 definitely have like just like brightened up my day for sure. And, and I, I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Um, so on behalf of myself, the guys and all of our listeners, uh, thank you so much for, for being with us today and for, for sharing, for sharing your story. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. And in, in, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that people ask me my story, but I looked at the three of you and I'm thinking folks need to know your story too, because you guys have great stories and, and, and you've got <laughs> more to go. So, you know, live it, live yeah, large. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, And thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week, as we always are, with another wonderful conversation. Um, In the meantime, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that by following us over on Spotify. Uh, You could leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, or you could go to www.patreon.com slash sickboy. Um, Tay, why don't you tell them uh, a little bit about uh, why Patreon would uh, kind of change people's lives? Well, Patreon is a is is really just a place where we are building a a really awesome community, and it's um, you know it's it's full of people that have um, that have really loved to to support us and to see us be able to do bigger and better things along the way and be and be a really close part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing a lot of really cool things, especially since the. Uh, since this pandemic has been keeping us more in place where we're doing Patreon hangouts with everybody um, every week and, uh, and some really cool live show uh, online live show stuff uh, that you can get access to when you are a Patreon contributor. So that's patreon.com slash If you want to help us out there. Uh, and thanks as always to Donovan, the meerkat Morgan for the amazing sound design on the show. Donovan, thanks for making it sound like we're in the lineup at uh, Eugene's bar, but wait, we, 
we didn't stand in the line very very long because you're on the guest we're list. on guest <laughs> list so now this is us walking into the bar and we're ready to have a good fucking time <laughs> thanks donovan and then uh and hey thanks to uh our measly intern lauren and uh and jeff uh jeff lonis for all the work that he does for us so um yeah i, I feel like it's more important that we show those guys out more often because uh they really they really help us um put this show together keep this shit together yeah Yeah, keep this shit show standing uh that is it for this week i'm brian i'm taylor i'm jeremy and this is sick boy Sweet. That was killer. Guys, that was great. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.